Hello and welcome to the Podagogy Podcast, the podcast that aims to bridge the gap between teaching, coaching and all things pedagogy. Hey there and welcome to another episode of the Podagogy Podcast. Recently I spoke with Holly Barnes. Holly is an experienced English teacher who currently works in further education as a lecturer and a teaching and learning coach. We discussed Holly's role as a learning coach, how people learn and maximising CPD and your own development. As ever, your support is appreciated and thanks for downloading. Uh, good morning, Holly. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me. No, no, you're most welcome. So um, I'm interested to hear a little bit more about yourself, really. Um, I, know, I know a little bit about you from, from your online presence. So we're going to hear a bit more about uh, your journey in education um, and kind of what you're up to now. Yep, so um, I'm Holly Barnes Lomax. I've just taken on a double barrel, but most people know me online as just uh, Holly B. Um, I am a teaching and learning coach at a college in Cambridgeshire, um, and I also teach English on the side of that as well. Um, I started off just really enjoying English at university, um, and as I progressed, I, I finished uni and I went to do a master's immediately straight after, just out of pure interest. And as part of that, um, I did a lot of modules surrounding English as a foreign language, so English as a second language. And then I progressed um, to do a CELTA qualification. And from there, I ended up working at the training provider where um, I was in Cambridgeshire, never went abroad with it. And then um, was really starting to get interested in kind of the adult world of teaching because I mainly taught adults within um, EFL. And then made a jump to do some evening classes in further education because a lot of the students at the time were um, ESOL students taking functional skills qualifications. So it was a little bit different. Um, And then from there, I applied for a full-time role, um, worked with apprentices for a few weeks, doing functional skills, getting them through those kind of um, short courses, you know, when they come in and they they need to just get their English or their maths. And then went to full-time teaching, um, GCC and functional skills, and then progressed from there really into a, a teaching and learning role um, and still teaching English and, and loving it really. And I, I think it's really important that teaching and learning coaches still teach. Yeah, no, definitely. I think um, that kind of being on the ground, because I think the field changes so quickly, um, and particularly in the last few years, I think it's really important for those those type of roles to be still on the ground and um in the classroom or on the pitch or whatever and experiencing what's going on to be able to kind of relay that information back effectively. I think that's some conversation yeah. for as well. Yeah, definitely. And and I think as well, people, you know, educators see you in that role. And sometimes people are quite concerned about people in that role. You know, it, you, you kind of have to be somebody who's really affable within this role anyway. Um, but I think it's, it's really important that we remember that we're role models for teaching and learning. And, uh, you know, if we're being seen to just be on the observation team and not actually at the front then you a lot of people start to question you know why why can you judge my teaching and we know that's what can happen at Ofsted um, and higher level roles but I think it's really really valuable because you never stop learning that way when you're you know out and about in the classrooms yeah no definitely I mean I, I had an experience of that with being being observed for, for an online lesson when we first made this um, jump to kind of a hybrid model yeah. uh, remote delivery and being observed and getting some, some feedback some some positive and some not so positive and I'm fine with that that's cool but then uh, the conversation went on that the person that done given me the feedback openly admitted but I've never taught an online lesson oh wow it almost this not dis, yeah discredits it I think a little bit because you don't they don't understand they don't have that empathy and recognition of actually what the, the environment looks like now 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's another thing, isn't it? It's about understanding the challenges at different points in the year. So we know that we're going to be doing maybe learning walks or we're going to be part of the observation team quite early on in the year. Um, and that's a really daunting experience for a teacher who is right in the heart of trying to sort classrooms, trying to sort resources, trying to sort out, um, you know, the, just the registers and other students on the right course in that 42 day window. Um, and us going in or an observer going in can really throw you and, and add extra stress. And I think it's important that your understanding of those pressures that educators are having day to day, because, you know, if somebody um, if something goes wrong when you're being observed, uh, the natural instinct is to maybe panic a bit. But it's the raw classroom experience. Things do go wrong. Behavior might be, um, you know, have a dip in it. Um, students might be walking in late because they're in the wrong classes at the time but that's all part of the experience and I think while we're going through that with educators it's, it's really important. Mm, yeah definitely I mean you so you mentioned right at the top about your your role now as, as a learning coach so just tell me a little bit more about that and that's, you know, it's not it's not a term that I'm necessarily too familiar with so I'd be really keen to hear a bit more about you know, what does that look like and, and how you operate day to day. Yeah so um, at my college we're called Excellence coaches and that actually aligns with the college values so one of the, the college values is, is excellence um, but essentially what we do is is we're um, a teacher a learning coach so we support staff at any point in their career whether they're new members of staff um, new to the college but they've got lots of experience teaching whether they are brand new to teaching straight from industry which is very very common as we know in FE um, whether they're somebody who might need a little bit of extra support or they're looking for kind of nuggets of guidance, um, a conversation. So uh, what we do is we support any member of staff that, that needs it with requests or whether they start with us. Um, throughout their first 12 weeks, we help them to settle in. We support them with the day-to-day -day run-ins. Maybe we can advise them on how to use the college systems. Um, but we're also there to mainly support with the teacher learning aspects. So we might go in and do learning walks, but they can be led by the educator. So they might say, oh, I'm really concerned about this class. The, the behavior's not great. Could you come in and have a look at it for me? Uh, and we sit down and, and we essentially coach through it. And it's all about trying to provide a level of support that they need but also that they would like mm -hmm. um the other side of that is we work with um students who students sorry educators that are going to be students so those on teach training courses so level three level four level five um and we kind of guest lecture between us sometimes looking at different aspects so some of us within the team will have different specialisms some people might work with uh people who have qtls or need qtls um there is a maths and english person so i'm an english representative uh, we have a maths teacher who's part of the uh, teacher learning team and i think it's important that we have a, a variety so we're able to support not only with the academic side but also the teacher mm. learning side to work with people to advise them how best to deal with their students in different situations yeah of course i'm going to drop a, a question on you here is, is someone yeah. in that role and you you know if you say you just step into a classroom or whatever and What's the first thing you're looking for? What's the first thing that you're you're trying to notice? I think naturally what we're looking at is is engagement levels um, because you're, you're wanting to see how the students are engaged in the classroom. But essentially, you know, students can sit there and look very, very passive, as we know, and, and still be taking on um, the information. It might just be their way of learning. So I suppose it's, it's how they're maybe delivering that um, and how they're meeting those students' needs to to, to work with that um, being in, in English we know that um, some students or most of our students who come um, have a very very negative experience in English so 
it's important for us that we're trying a different techniques in those first initial weeks to get to know them, to get to see how they want to learn. Um, and for some students that might look like doodling on, on a page, um, but it's always good to see how the, the teacher is engaging with the students and, and how they're meeting those needs, I think. And I also, personally, I look for creativity because I really like to see something different. Um, and I think that shows teachers' personalities very, very well when we see lots of different, not necessarily even resources, but just how the classroom is looking and um, how, they're, how they're speaking to students, you know, or are their students um, maybe communicating with whiteboards or they're communicating with cards. So lots of different things. Yeah, I think that expressing your personality through your for your teaching or your coaching, whatever, I think is really, really important. So um, in my organisation, again, I work in FE the same as you, we would used to have what was a unit lead. So for a unit that was being delivered, it might be sports coaching. We had a, yeah. a unit lead and then the other people that were, were teaching on that. Um, we've, we've made a shift this year to now there's no more unit leads and there's an emphasis now on that individual teacher you know, delivering the content how they want it to be delivered in, in their own style and to suit their own group. And I think that's really, really important because in any sort of education, I don't think there is that one size fits all at all. Absolutely. And and that's why we see different levels working for different students, right? Not just based on their grades, but it might be that a, a level one teacher um, is supporting them in a completely different way to level two because of the requirements of the course, but also um, we have different students all the time. Students in hair and beauty are different to students who are doing bricklaying, who are different to students who are doing sport. They're all, you know, they all have their own personalities just like we do as, as, as educators. So it's important that we're not doing that one size fits all approach. Um, a best way of moving forward. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, would I be right in suggesting in, in your environment, your potentially you've, you've touched on this already, you're working with maybe uh, students in post 16 who didn't achieve maybe a certain grade at English at, at GCSE. Yeah. So they potentially had an, either a negative experience or the result alone or the fact that they're having to resit it is a negative experience. How how can we break that down? How can we overcome that barrier and maybe change attitudes to try and get positive outcomes? I think it starts with us. Um, and I think it's us as educators outside of English and Maths as well, educating ourselves on Firstly, what are the students going through? What is what has their experience been? Because all students' experience will be different. We, we see a lot of homeschooled students as well that come in. Um, but I think we have to educate ourselves and start aligning those skills across the college. So our students, as, as you probably see, um, Dexter, is they can analyse or they can describe in a, in a sports environment. But when they come to English, it's the natural barrier of, of English. So it's about making those links across the college um, in all of their work and showing them that if they get stuck, they can actually do it and they can overcome it. Um, I think as well, it, it's about getting to know your students and understanding what their barriers are. Um, and their barriers might be things that we can do differently at college because mm -hmm. giving them a, a similar experience to secondary doesn't work for them because they've been doing it for five years. So it's about changing the experience that they've had here and giving them a bit more um, I would say treating them a bit more like adults and that's what we do in FE isn't it we, we yeah. treat them more like adults you know we're not um, quick to, to phone parents we want to have those conversations immediately with, with the individual and get to know them and, and then we start to move through that process but um, I think a, a lot of it is about building relationships and understanding. Yeah I think relationships are the, the core of, of everything I think to be able to connect with someone. Um, Definitely. To be able to then transmit 
the information or the message that you want to, I think is really, really important. Have you got any really, maybe good examples of that at all that maybe you've seen with, with any students? Um, building relationships. Building relationships or overcoming that barriers or, or changing the perception of, of English. Yeah, or... um, I've just had a student who I've seen from functional skills, um, was very, very reluctant two years ago, but understood that their level of English wasn't maybe the best. Um, we accommodated, they were going through a very, very tough time at home. We accommodated and moved them online based on, on the COVID situation um, entirely for the year. And um, a group environment was just not right for that student. They needed the one-to-one -one drive, but they also needed five minutes away to gather their thoughts, come back and get on with the work. So um, online, one-to-one, -one, that was brilliant for me because I, I could call them, they could go away, I could share a document with them and they could type in it and then they would leave me messages in it like, is, what do you think to this or is this okay? And over the year, we, we built up that um, relationship. The student then passed their functional skills, which was amazing for them. They've come back this year and now I teach them GCSE because I just happen to be in that class. And they're much more welcoming towards the English GCSE than they were before because they feel like they have a level of understanding. But they, I feel like they also feel listened to. So yeah. I know that in a face-to-face -face environment, if things are getting a bit too much for them, they just need five minutes, quick lap around the college, pop to the toilet, come back, refresh the mindset. And I think that's how... Um, we can support in building the relationships is, is getting to understand what students need. I mean, obviously in a, in a chaotic environment, having 15, 20 students go for a walk around the college is, is not ideal. Um, but where we can trust those students or where we understand maybe some underlying um, challenges that they have, I think we should do our best to accommodate it. And it's definitely been the best thing, you know, for that particular student. Mm. I mean, I've spoken about this on a previous podcast around um, self-determination theory and motivation. Mm. So the, the requirement to have a sense of autonomy, a sense of competence and relatedness. Well, two of those things you've touched on there around, they need that sense of competence and achievement and um, you know, then that positive experience that they can do something or they do have a level of understanding. And then the relatedness in terms of what we're talking about relationships and yeah, definitely. Building relationships and connecting and a sense of belonging and I guess the autonomy then comes from knowing that student and as you've mentioned in that example there letting them operate how they want to operate um so you know they've got a sense of choice over their learning or a sense of choice over their um their education yeah and and that's how we can work across college you know I'm, I'm a a huge advocate for English anyone who knows me and, and even in my college you know in the teacher learning role I'm always trying to weave it in um but that's where we come together as as a college as a team around the learner um you know working together with vocational areas to to see how we can build and a lot of what we're doing um, and I was talking to a, a colleague and friend the other day Elizabeth Draper um and she was saying we need to be building confidence in those first six weeks that's what we're doing small achievements um, you know, making it making a fuss about how great some of the stuff is that they're doing because their confidence has been knocked. And when we get confidence, we see a little bit more from them. And it's about giving them the autonomy, as you say, to to get on with something that they can kind of prove to us. So giving them, you know, initial assessments that might not be um that's really, really exam focused. That's nothing that they're interested in. That's not going to show the best of them. Yes, we might get data from it. However, for students in English, they've been away for 12 weeks. They've already sat an exam. They've already had their heart broken within that thinking they might have not achieved. So when they come back, we, we've got to say, right, what are you interested in? Great, you're interested in cars. Tell me about it. Write it down. Draw me a, um, draw me a picture. Tell me everything that you know about it. Let, let's have a conversation. So 
that's really important too I think yeah I think relate, relating it back to their interests and, and their needs so I work with like I work with football coaches in, in a mentoring capacity and um, they might come to me with issues around oh they won't stop um, talking about I don't know whatever the latest thing is Fortnite or whatever else <laughs> yeah. well, well it's not going anywhere let's embrace it like yeah. in and, and then they then when they realize that they can actually you know this is a tool uh, that can be used for a positive outcome and bringing their interests or modern trends or pop culture into their environment actually it has a, a positive impact yeah and and that is also us giving them deeper learning isn't it because they're absorbing a lot of this information outside and they're seeing a lot of stuff in the news you know on tiktok now there's so much on there um so they're bringing that and having those conversations in the classroom we shouldn't shun away from it we should be allowing them to speak look at their opinions and maybe we're educating via their opinions and you know for, for me in my um in my lessons they're able to use that and write an article or write a story about it so it's it's good to bring the outside in i think that's really imp- um said important i need a better word as an english teacher don't i I think it's really valuable that that we're having those conversations about the outside world and and like you say, pop culture especially, because that hits all of our students in many, many different ways. Yeah, I think being able to obviously, I I can't cite any, I'm not a a research buff, but I'm I'm sure there is research out there that I've come across around um, by applying new information to information or knowledge that already exists in any capacity increases learning so yeah definitely uh, being able to explain something but relating it to their favorite game or some uh, a monument by where they live or the college that we're in i think makes it more understandable and relatable yeah absolutely and and there's a there's a big push and pressure for english and maths to maybe um to maybe contextualize a lot of stuff and, and some people are for it and some people are against it because they say well the exam's not contextualized but to get that buy-in and to get that understanding and that grounding we need to be bringing those things in so for sports learners I would be looking at um, maybe looking something around football or the Olympics and getting them to talk about their opinions on it for game students it might be what's the top 10 games that are out at the minute and what's the storyline of those games? So there's so much we can we can do to to inspire them with their own interests. It's just getting them to to see with with their own eyes. Yeah, I think the concept of, of games is, is is interesting as well because you go back to that sense of confidence. We um within teaching and within coaching, we use a lot of video game style things. So uh, like you know levels and achievements and yeah new sections to explore and that sense of kind of journey and accomplishment and achievement I find has a really positive impact yeah and and the the healthy competition as well because we know things like quizzes and cahoots they never get old do they they're, they're obsessed with them sometimes they're like let's do a cahoot um and you're thinking oh god I've gone through all my cahoots I need to now look for another one um but they they you know they enjoy that healthy competition and, and it's good for us to show them healthy competition as well catchphrase is my favorite is it I've recently done the generation game, the mem- trying to do the memory. Um, and some of them were like, what's this old footage? I was like, this is this is not that old. <laughs> awesome. Um, let's talk CPD then. So for if we start through the lens of someone who is putting on CPD, so the provider, so that might be a, an SLT or a learning coach, whoever it is, what makes CPD effective from that lens? there'll always be CPD that's directed. And I, and I think that we all 
as educators understand that there, there may be a, a college or a school focus that, that we're going to have to follow um, in which we all need upskilling or refreshing. Um, but in terms of CPD, I, I think it's very important that we tailor CPD to, to staff's needs. Um, blanket approach for a team who maybe 90% of them are competent and 10% aren't or maybe need a bit, a bit of help, that's going to annoy staff and that's going to upset them. Um, so it's important that we're we're looking at maybe their recent observations or maybe they've expressed some interest and, and we're working in small groups. I mean, we have a, a meeting slot for, for our department and uh, we've put on different CPD at different times so staff can have the autonomy to go where they would like to go. They've t- expressed what they would like and, and we attend it. Um, and I think that's important. Um, just this year, a, a member of the, the coaching team put out a survey and said, what things have we done that you've enjoyed? And would you like to see more of? But also, what things would you like us to do? Um, and, you know, I, I think it's really, really valuable as well that we're putting staff out there to deliver CPD because that's best practice shared, isn't it? Which is what we're all about. And our best resource is one another. So getting staff out there, sharing what they're doing, that's CPD. That's that's the best kind of CPD because you can relate to that. If someone's got a resource and you think, oh, that's amazing, I could I could tweak that and put that with those learners, or I could adapt that for a different level. Um, so th- I think there's so much around CPD, and I think um, I spoke about it about six months ago, and I was saying, you know, we are we are the key to CPD. We're the drivers of it. Sometimes we have to be our own driving force, and we have to look out there and see what there is. And if we can't find it, maybe we have to make it or we have to have conversations with people. So putting yourself out there um, amongst communities as well and, and looking for CPD, uh, both in the organisation and outside, is, yeah. is good. I mean, for me, there's two things off that. So where, for where I am, um, Tuesday, 4 to 5 o'clock is uh, what we call TEP time, TEP, Teaching Excellence Programme, which is like a initiative here. Um, and sometimes it's in department, sometimes it's cross-college. And when it's cross-college, there'll be an option to probably nine or ten different set um um, workshops that you can then book onto and, and attend during that time so having that sense of you say we mentioned it for students having a sense of autonomy for staff to have a sense of autonomy over what they're doing is is important but would you agree that that then takes a certain sense of self-awareness in terms of what you actually need and being aware of what what potentially you need to improve on yeah but I, I think as well that that comes with conversations with colleagues and I think as well uh, with line managers so through your appraisal you're, you're going to be set targets um whether or not some people want to take things on board we can't speak for everybody but it does involve self-awareness but then I think people who don't want to go to CPD sessions in particular they're vocal about them so then that's the chance to say okay so what is it you would like to do would you like to run a CPD session would you like to go elsewhere and and learn about something and come back and share it with the team um would you like to share something that you're doing so I, I think self-awareness is very very important and and how we instill that in staff I think is down to coaches and managers and leaders to um be excited about CPD and enthuse staff about it yeah I don't think that this has to be super formal either no. you know, for me a, a, a passing conversation in the corridor or sitting down for a coffee or whatever that that is still CPD that is still you're still learning and yeah. taking taking things and having those conversations and sometimes those informal conversations are the best ones for me yeah coming back into the staff room after a lesson and debriefing with staff is is I think um a time where we're very honest 
uh, we might have had, just had a, a bad lesson, but you're reflecting on it instantly. And, and we want staff to be reflective and we want educators to be reflective. We say that the best ones are the most reflective. Um, and maybe maybe people don't realise that they're actually being reflective all the time because they're thinking, right, well, that didn't go well. I better do this next lesson. And that's informing their planning and, and that's looking at the delivery and that's what's best for the learner and looking at the learner journey. So like you say, all these little pieces that aren't formalised, um, how we capture that, Dexter, I don't know because no. we, that you know, there's so much we can do on a daily basis. Yeah, um, there might be teachers, new and old, out there listening, or, or or coaches for that matter, thinking about maybe how they can take ownership for their own development. And I've got some of my own thoughts on it. But uh, what would maybe would your advice be for how people can take ownership for their own ongoing development, and particularly maybe in that informal setting um, where it's not you know a CPD event, but just that on even. Yeah own reflection what would your advice be I think you have to put yourself out there a little bit um and I think that's sometimes hard because we have imposter syndrome uh, you know a, a lot of ed educators do um and, and I think it's about reaching out to different communities that are out there to um have those conversations with and kind of inspire you and you know take the time to look at again what's out there and, and what you could take from conversations what you could take from courses what you could take from old cpd um you know there's a an ideas room that's run by by joy fe on a wednesday and that is just a bunch of educators sometimes not educators coming together talking about what they're thinking they've got an idea maybe it wants to be developed and um, in the thinking environment um educators sit together and, and they all discuss nobody advises it's a discussion around that particular theme or idea um and something might be made from that and that's fantastic you know i've gone in there and thought how can i support staff well-being and people are giving me ideas sometimes i've gone in there and just listened to what people are saying and that's probably been a really big takeaway is, is learning to listen to other people um and particularly learning to learning to listen to what i also want as well because i find that sometimes you've got to write I, i'm a big i love to write things down I think it's, it comes as an English teacher thing, you know, we love stationery and all that anyway. Um, so writing as much down as I can and my own thoughts and walking away and processing it, I find that is something that I can connect with and break down in my own way. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think that there's, there's, there's so much we probably can do. It's about coming together to see things sometimes. I like what you said about, you know, um, being a listener because I, I for no by no stretch of the imagination, I'm not a shy person. Um, I'm happy to talk and, and speak my mind. But there might be times where if you were just to walk into to my office or one of my staff meetings and you saw me, I think I'd probably come across as a, a shy person. But I'm actually happy just to sit and listen and take it in and observe and and then speak at the right time and speak when I feel like I need to speak. So, again, being happy to, to listen um, and as well finding what works for you. So, yeah. for me, yeah. it, it's books and podcasts, hence the the uh the the motivation to try and set this this thing up but yeah um you know i will use my time in the car to, to listen to a podcast and that's my development time um and then branching out as well so i don't listen to a lot of other either football or educational related podcasts really i like to listen to stuff from um from ceos or uh, entrepreneurs and things like that and, and learn from from other areas and learn from other places yeah, I, th I think as well, um, you know, thinking about staff or educators who have, have been doing 
teaching or teaching learning have gone between roles for a very very long time I think it's all about as well is is uh, the buzzword of stretch and challenge but it is stretch and challenging um, who you have within your community so if the same people are going to be churned out all the time to give ideas other members of the teams are going to be really you know bored of it they might not want to engage with it it's the same with with CPD if you're churning out the same CPD topics year in year out it's, it's not going to work so it's about looking at fresh ideas it's about learning as well from from new teachers who are coming in and saying you know what I, I, I'm really struggling to get to grips with how you're working in this team you know what about doing this this and this and and that new member of staff might have actually just had a massive breakthrough that reduces everybody's workload so we we need to be looking at both ends of the spectrum we're looking at teachers who have been here for a very very long time um and what we can do to ensure that they're constantly um you know not forgotten about but also looking at new members of staff or sorry new teachers and seeing what their perspective is on things because as we know a fresh pair of eyes on on a piece of work or a lesson is sometimes just what you need to be able to to get through that that kind of fog yeah I'm mean, going back to, but I read a book, uh, Matthew Syed's uh, Rebel Ideas, it's called. And the whole principle of that is the more different brains and minds and people you have in the room, it, the richer the room is and the richer the experience. If you had 11 people who have lived the same life, who have uh, seen the same things, read the same things, done the same things, they're all going to have the same opinion and the same outcome. But if we yeah, in a room with, with different experiences and different perspective and different culture and background and everything else, we're probably likely to get a better outcome. And that's why cross-college collaboration is so yeah. important because teams will naturally gravitate towards their own area or naturally gravitate towards um, sitting in a certain place or, or being a certain way. But we, we want to start pairing departments up or we want to start encouraging peer observations across the college because, you know, just because you you don't particularly teach that or that resource explicitly doesn't say... Um, I don't know, sport on it, doesn't mean it's not going to work in hairdressing. It just means that you might have to take a bit of time to, to realise how you can tweak that. And that's where, again, uh, teacher learning coaches can come in and support with that. And, um, you know, just little seedlings of ideas can grow into amazing things. Yeah, no, definitely. Excellent. Um, so how I like to, to finish is with a couple of quick, quick fire questions. Okay. Um, get your take on some of these so for you um what would be your three fundamentals to successful teaching or coaching um we, we touched a lot about it but building relationships um everybody says it and it, it can be a struggle um but again you you kind of have to put yourself as part of the the college community i feel out there and and talk to people say hello in the corridors to people um Building relationships is, is the core of FE with students and staff as well. So um, I'd say building relationships, collaboration um, with with all levels of staff. Um, you know, it, it's always great when we see SLT out and about in the corridors, um, doing lesson observations, giving their fresh ideas as well, because at some point they were a teacher and they also want to see how things have evolved and there's, there's things that they can also bring in. Um, and the same with middle management and team leaders and course leaders. Um, but again, just as we've touched on it as well, cross-college collaboration is is um, something I would absolutely encourage anybody to do. Go and walk into a lesson, go walk down a different corridor that you're in and just see what's happening. Um, and I would say being a good listener because sometimes you don't need to say anything. Somebody might just need to offload and they might just need five minutes. They might need to come in, cry. They might just need you to read for a piece of paper, but they might just 
feel safe in that environment. So it's providing that safe space um, and having a good pair of ears. And being a good listener doesn't just mean sitting in an office in front of a laptop in that formal environment. It might be listening to somebody on a walk around the college or grabbing a coffee at Costa at, at college site and sitting down and, and listening to them there. So I, I think those two things are, are vital. Yeah, so just on that, I'm um, a mental health first aider here where I am. And when I did that course, a part of that um, was it was listen to understand, not listen to respond. So going back, you said about being a good listener, that we need to listen to hear what the other person's saying. And I'm, I'm super guilty of this. If I'm having an argument with someone close to me or disagreement, when they're talking to me, I'm listening and I'm already thinking about what I'm going to say back to that or cut them off and go back to it. So yeah. I'm awful at it, but I feel hopefully with, with my students, et cetera, that I'm, I'm, I listen to understand and listen to listen. And like you said, sometimes you just need to be that space for them to, to vent. Yeah. What a great job title, by the way. Yeah, no, it's good. I mental it. health, super, uh, what was it? Mental health first aid. That's, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, because something we can definitely talk about um, more, and it might be something you want to take back to, to your own college, but it's been really good what we've been doing here. Yeah. That's a cross-college thing. We can probably talk about that at a later date. Um, and very, yeah, yeah. like you said about relationships and collaboration, I think go hand in hand there. I think if you haven't got the relationship staff to staff or across the department, it's going to be harder to probably collaborate. Yeah, they, yeah. All, they all kind of feed into each other, yeah. I think. So, sure. so yeah. Awesome. Um, what advice would you give to Holly who was just starting out on her education journey? Ask the questions, put yourself out there. Don't be afraid to end up in some somebody's inbox asking a, asking a question for advice or support, both about maybe workload, um, but also questions about curriculum, questions about how their experiences have been. Because again, we can learn from each other's experiences. Um, and I have I've developed, you know, an online presence. There's so many educators in the in the edu Twitter community, and it's probably one of the most positive things I've done because a few years ago I felt quite lonely um, moving into FE and and not being sure about things and and being worried and maybe quite concerned about my own resources because maybe we didn't share as much and it felt like they were up to scratch and putting them out there people saying oh I really like this oh I've done this with your resource or oh we tried this and getting the feedback I think um it, it again like our students it boosts your confidence and I think when our confidence is boosted as educators you know we're, we're more inclined to start looking for different opportunities and, and putting ourselves out there yeah, uh, we, we touched on this at the beginning. I think it's important that sharing is great and collaborating is great, but nothing's probably going to work if we just copy and paste it. Yeah. Talks about everyone being different. You know, I, I'll see this. I see it a lot in football. Um, there'll be a video of Barcelona first team doing a practice and then someone's confused why it's not working with their local under eights team. Well, because it's not the, it's not the same. So yeah. same with the classroom, isn't it? I'm actually a fantastic resource, but the first question I need to ask is, how will this work for me? How will this work for my subject? And how will this work for my learners? But yeah, yeah. and collaborating and sharing and particularly places like Twitter, as horrible and toxic as it can be at times, I think generally is a positive place for that sort of thing. Absolutely. Um, and finally, is there anyone that you think I should look to speak to next or anyone that you'd like to hear from or has got something to say? Um... I think there are there's so many people. I'd love to just talk to everyone. Um, but two two of my recommendations uh, for maybe yourself and people listening um, from an English perspective, um, Elizabeth Draper. She's um, doing some fantastic work out there, um, as well as um, being part of the English Association and making moves there to have 
FE on the map and they're really, really enjoying um, having FE within there and, and understanding what we do. Um, she's a big change maker. She's out there banging the drum, um, which I think is fantastic. Um, and also Sammy, um, what the truth maths, she's, uh, you know, I, I do podcasts with her, but um, her understanding of accessibility, uh, both within uh, an FE setting and secondary setting, um, and also w- within our own subject knowledge of maths is is super. And, and I feel like I learn from her all the time in any conversation we have. So two great people out there. Awesome. Thank you. Holly, this has been great. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me. No, you're welcome. Thanks for listening to this episode of Podagogy, the teaching and coaching podcast. You can find Holly on Twitter at hollyb underscore fe. And she also hosts her own podcast called ENM Booth if you would like to hear more from her. Thanks for downloading and stay posted for new episodes coming soon. Goodbye.